Good morning, Northwest. How are you? <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. I appreciate it. What a great guy. Stephen is one of the best servers here I've ever come across. He really is. He is such a, what a great heart he really does have. Welcome to Northwest. Welcome to our service, uh, our second service. And of course, a special welcome if you're streaming online right now, uh, being a part of our service. I know across America and even into different countries, uh, people are actually streaming into this service right now. It's always exciting. And of course, if you are streaming in, Please, uh, please join in the little chat box that's right beside that stream. We have online pastors that love to, to pray for you, to speak to you, to converse with you, and <clears throat> even talk about uh, today's teaching as well. God has been moving in our church recently. Uh, simmer down. <laughs> he really has been. Um, if you have not been uh, on the inside of that, then it's okay, don't worry. It's not something that's taught, it's something that's more caught. And it's amazing how God has been moving in our family for a while now. And I would say for even a few years, you know, just things just edging up and edging up. And, and recently, there just has been a stirring within our hearts. And I hope that most of you were able to be a part of the 21 day fast that we recently did. And I just, I find it fascinating the way that God has been moving in each person's hearts by themselves without being told, hey, believe this or think that or, or believe for that. They just, God has been stirring in our hearts. And recently we've had an opportunity to, <clears throat> to, uh, to actually put a bid on a new building. And I don't know if you come on, <laughs> simmer down. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you come here on Sunday morning and think wonderful thoughts about this building, but we don't have those same thoughts as much as we used to. And it's not because we're ungrateful for what God has given us, but because I think that our vision has actually outgrown the resources that we have here. And for every vision that God gives, he gives us provision as well in order to fulfill his vision. We first actually came here, this place was a miracle. Do you know that this place was bought by 175 people? Only 175 people committed to actually purchasing this place for the ministry that we were going to do in this community. Now we've come across another building and it's not something that we were planning on. We're now going to build something now <clears throat> because there's such a configuration of what we need in a particular building. And this thing came up and it was exactly what we needed and it's perfect. It's probably about four, maybe five times the size of what we actually have here on this property. It's absolutely magnificent. Now, does that mean that'll be the property we get? I don't know. But the one thing that I know is this, that God has been stirring us up, that he has now set us on a path that we can't actually go and reverse on. Most of us know that, that something has happened amongst us that we know we've been feeling it. There's greater vision. There's a greater calling. We've been called to something greater than what we just have. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know when it's ha going to happen. But now that this vision or this opportunity has come up, something inside of us has said, now's the time to take steps to commit to God. Now's the time to do something about this. And so tonight, we're actually going to convene a special meeting. And I want to give you a special invitation tonight, <coughs> a special invitation tonight to come tonight's, tonight's meeting. <coughs> and yes, it is a capital campaign. We did this years ago in 1999 when we actually bought this building. And I was 
I'll be honest, my faith wasn't obviously high enough because I was shocked that people actually gave and I was shocked that we actually got the building. Now, I don't feel shock or surprise. I have expectation and I'm excited by this that tonight there's going to be not only a presentation of the opportunity that is in front of us, but we're going to ask you to actually be a part of this. We're going to ask you to financially give to this over the next three years. We're going to ask you to to look and ask God this afternoon, Father, do you want me to be a part of this? Yes or no? Do you want me to go along? Yes or no? How much do you want me to give to this? That's what we're going to ask of you. So there's no shock or no surprise when you come tonight. But I'm expecting God's Spirit to move even more than we've ever seen before. And so this morning right now, I want to look at a teaching and if you need to open up your Bible or scroll through your smartphone to what scripture you're going to look at, it will be on the screen, but you can look at it on your own phone if you want. We're going to be looking from the book of Exodus. This is a teaching um, called Building for More Than Enough. And it's actually a teaching that I've probably had for about a year now. I've been studying it on and off for, for, for about a year. And every time I came to actually teach it, it was like, no, this is not the moment. This is why Sunday is a special day for me because today is the moment. Now, there's a reason why I'm ready to move. It's because I've had so many problems with this building for the last three years, since 2013. We have come up against closed doors and opposition from the county like nothing on earth because they came into our building and said, you have to upgrade everything to current standards. And we said, this is an old building. You can't tell us to do that. And they're like, yes, we can. And they did it. So, I've actually already emotionally vacated this building. I'm already somewhere else. So if you're wondering why, (laughs) simmer down. If you're wondering why he's so eager to leave this place, that's because it started for me three years ago, right? When I got my, uh, my part of my, my, my posterior panded to me at the county building. When they said, no, 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 and did I say, no, you have, to build a, you have to get this building up to code. And so I already had moved on, but I believe that's where God started. And as I was studying this word, I didn't realize that God was actually showing me something. And it's about the three lands that Israel lived in. The three lands that Israel lived in. They lived in the land of not enough. They lived in the land of just enough. And then they lived in the land of more than enough. And I want to look at these three lands that they lived in one by one. I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 1, verses 11 to 14. So the Egyptians put slave masters over the Israelites to oppress the Israelites with forced labor. And they built Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields in all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. Now Egypt, in our reading here, is the land of not enough. It says that the Israelites built two cities. Now, there's many uh, uh, archaeologists and theologians that say they probably were the ones that built the pyramids. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. We don't know. But what we do know for sure is they built two cities and not just two average everyday cities. They built two store cities. This word store literally means a storehouse of heaped up treasure. 
This city was full of treasure and the Israelites were the ones who built this. They built entire cities of treasure, Pithom and Ramses. Now, What's amazing is when they first moved to Egypt, they were given the best part of, the, of, the, of, of Egypt and they were allowed to settle there. Jacob and his 12 sons, a large tribe. And then they grew into an actual nation and they became very prosperous. But then the Egyptians started to hate them because they started to fear them. And then that's when they decided, let's crush them down. Let's put them under bondage and slavery. And all this time, blessing was still being heaped on the Jews, even though they didn't own it. They were building cities of treasure. This land is where they believe, I believe, that they learned to believe God. In Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 to 25, it says this, During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Now, I've actually been asking this question for a year and I find this, for me, it was fascinating because I couldn't come up with an answer for it. Why did God leave them in slavery? Why is it they actually were, were a prosperous people and then suddenly they translated and transitioned over to being a, an enslaved people? Why would God let them go into slavery? Isn't this God's people? And I think there's a simple answer to this. It's simply this. It's because if they weren't in slavery, they would have stayed. Why build something new? Why go on to another country where I have to build from scratch again when I've already built everything that I need here? I've got all the wealth I need here. I am comfortable with what I've got. Why would I want to move somewhere else? And that's why I believe that God allowed slavery to come upon them. He wanted to give them something better. If he hadn't allowed slavery to come upon them, they would have succumbed to, they, 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 they would have given in to their own comforts. And I believe that God wanted to get rid of their controls, their comforts, and their complacency. Because when you have control, you're comfortable. When you're comfortable, you end up being complacent. Why would I want to give up all of this in order to become a more than a conqueror for Christ? Why would I want to do that? The amazing thing is, is that, that pain was brought to their exterior, but it wasn't brought to their interior. And the same thing is this, this is why Paul says that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That even if we're in slavery, even if we've gone through difficult times, we know this for sure, that God is actually trying to help us to believe for something better. I look back on the last three years of why have I gone through such difficult times with the county and I've realised, it was about halfway through last year, I realised, God, you're allowing this to happen. And if you are, then I'm going to be satisfied in you. If you've decided to take away this building, go ahead, do what you need to do because it's your building, not my building anyway. And so when God was able to free them and release them and take them out the land of not enough, he then moved them to the land of just enough the land of just enough. That was the wilderness. How long were they meant to stay there? Well, they stayed there for 40 years. And the Bible says the only reason they stayed there for 40 years is because they were stubborn and God had to kick that stubbornness out of them. But how long should they have been there? A week, a month, a year, five years? I don't know. 
But I do know that they were meant to be there for a season in the land of just enough. In Exodus chapter 16, verse four, it says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them. What does it say there? I will test them. What does it say there? And see whether they will follow my instructions. That every day, they were meant to go out in the morning and they would find this, this, this what they called it, bread, bread from heaven or manna, and it would fall on the ground and they, they would have to pick it up like, like dew from heaven is what they called it, or dew from heaven as you say in America, right? So they take this and then they would, they would eat it. It tasted like honey. It was very nutritious. And then in the evening, they would, a quail, which are little small birds, would come flying in, would land on the ground and they would scoop them up and that's what they would have for dinner. And God had given them a command, only take what you need for that day. And some of them actually decided to go, well, hey, there's plenty more here. Why don't we just scoop up a little bit more and we'll keep it for tomorrow? And what they found was the next day, the stuff that they had kept from the day before was now rotten in their pots. Now, I wonder if we, and many of us have been in this place too, where we've had the same problem where we're trying to actually lay up more from ourselves, but everything we've tried to lay up more of seems to rot in front of us and in our hands. Because just enough wasn't a problem, it wasn't a suggestion, it was a command. God had told them, only take for you what you need, which tells me this, that God had stopped them from having more than enough. I wonder if any of you have experienced this yourself, where you've wondered why you only have just enough. And the answer is because of this, because that's the season God has put you in. He doesn't want you to have more than enough. In fact, maybe some of you have tried to do side businesses on the side. Have you tried to do that? You try to do like side businesses and you got into this extra thing. Hey, you can make money just sitting at home and you can do all this stuff and you'll make so much more money. And then you invest all this money only to find out it cost you money and you didn't make a dime, right? Pastor Mark made a passing mention two years ago when he got into emu farming and he lost his shirt on that whole game. (laughs) When you're talking about emu farming, there's one person that comes to mind and that's Pastor Mark. Who's gonna do emu farming but Pastor Mark, right? That's when I first came to America. And I'll never forget actually uh, that they had like a puma or, or a panther that had come through and had wiped out all his flock, I don't know what you call them, uh, big birds, emus, right? They wiped out his flock of, of emus except two. And one of them was on the ground like, like this, right? With this big tear out of its back and he goes, we can save it. And I'm like, Mark, kill the thing. Just shoot it right there. It's like, no, we can keep that thing. So he made me, and I was fresh over from, from Scotland. And I'm like, is this the American way? He made me sit on the back of that emu with this big gash down the middle and then pull the skin up like that while he got this big fishing line and sewed the thing up, right? Still didn't make any money. What a waste of time. thought he was gone. (laughs) Only because he was living in the land of just enough. God save me. (laughs) But why would God keep them in a land of just enough? Because he said this, in this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. 
Why did he need to test them? Is it to see if they were smart enough? Was it to see if they were, 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 were hard workers enough? Was it to see if they were submitted enough? No, no, no. They'd already proven that in slavery. They'd already proven that they worked hard, that they could be submitted, that they could be smart enough. Listen, they had the skills to build cities. They had the skills to build treasure cities. They could have built cities in the wilderness. They even had the riches. It's said that they took the gold and the silver and the fine clothing from the Egyptians when they left. They had the riches. They had the skills. And yet God didn't give them any power or any permission to build anything else simply because he was trying to teach them to trust him. Why would he do this? Because he's moving them from this mindset of slavery to sonship. And sonship is about relationship where you trust the person who is actually telling you which way to go and how to do it and when to do it. You can give God some praise. I believe that God is putting us in a position where we have moved from this slavery over to sonship. That the less land is, is not, is, is the reason why we're in this land of just enough is because that's where we're learning the ways of God. We're learning the ways of God. And it says in Exodus chapter 7, verse 16, it says this, God had told Moses to go speak to the Pharaoh and he was meant to say this, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness, not build, not get prosperous, not get rich, not be safe, not be away from slavery, not be free, but to worship him. And in this place, in Exodus, is where they started to formulate two laws, the civil law and the sacred law. And you can see both of them in the Ten Commands. The civil law is where they learned to live with each other. The sacred law is where they learned to live with God. This is why God wanted to train them and teach them so that when they did get given power and riches and influence and land and, 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 and uh, uh, possessions and all these types of things and power of their armies, he wanted to make sure that they would trust him. Later on, when, it, when he was actually speaking to Joshua, who was the one who finally took Israel into the promised land, he kept on saying this, remember what I've taught you. Keep it in front of you. Remember my ways. You can't afford to go into this land and take all this power and think that you made it yourself. Remember where you came from. Remember what I taught you. Keep it in your heart. Keep it on your lips. And then that way, you'll be able to use the riches and the power that I'm giving you according to his will according to his kingdom. God had to make sure that he didn't allow us to go down the same path that Adam and Eve did, which was to choose their own way. I believe that this building is somewhat of an opportunity for us too. I think it's an opportunity because I believe that God has gotten us to the place where he's saying, I trust you now. And I believe that trust is very important with God. It's very important with God. In fact, this is why I tithe. Because I don't do it because I think God needs my money, but because I want to make sure that I'm keeping myself in relationship with him and that he knows that he can trust me. I was thinking about this recently about tithing because tithing is not just a mosaic law. It's not just an Old Testament thing. It was pre-mosaic and it was post-mosaic. Even Jesus talked about it. The reason why I tithe is three things. Number one, 
is because that part belongs to God. And in Leviticus, it says that that portion belongs to God. It means I don't own it. And we oftentimes say, I can't afford to give. And I'm saying, you can't afford not to give. I don't have enough. And I'm saying, but God is enough. And I'm telling you that if you, what I found is I've worked with people before on their finances who didn't tithe and I always found a minimum of 10% was missing from their money. Why? Because they have no power over that money. They have no control or authority over that money. It belongs to God. And that for me is set in my heart. Here's the second reason why I tithe. I tithe because it's God's ways. There's only two times that I know of in the Bible where it says that God said, do this test me. This is one of the times when he said, follow my ways because I am testing you. And the other time was in Malachi when God literally said to the Israelites, you're not giving your tithe, you're robbing me. And for me, that's quite an indictment. I don't want to be a thief. Not, not, not in front of God anyway. And he said, this is my way. And then he goes, go ahead, test me. Because I'm telling you, because it's my way, you'll find that blessing will come upon you. Not because you deserve it, but because I'm a good God and I promised it to you. Go ahead, test me. God wants to be proved to be a good God. What type of father and mother doesn't want to bless their children? Every father and mother wants to bless their children, but they also want to see obedience back from their children. And God is saying, test me in this. Now, this is actually the second Sunday in a row that we've actually talked about Monday on a Sunday. And if you're a new visitor, you might actually think that we talk about this all the time. We don't. I don't remember the last time we ever talked about money as a church. But the more I looked at this, the more I realized this isn't about money. This is about trust. This is about a relationship with God. And if we can't be trusted with the small things that God has given us, how is God going to give you the greater things that you truly desire and have been made for? Can I hear another amen? Listen, God has been calling us to something great and I'm excited by this. And the third reason of why I tie this is simply this. It's because my parents taught me to. My parents taught me to, so it's not a big deal for me. I've been taught in the ways and so it's a part of my life. I don't wrestle with it. I don't go, oh, I forgot. I don't go, oh, I don't know if I can afford to. I don't come up with reasons of why I shouldn't. Why? Because I know my parents taught me to. And so if you're still wrestling with it and you haven't figured this out, what are you passing on to your children? Listen, we're looking to learn the ways of God, which is the ways of security and blessing and relationship and peace in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost is what the New Testament says. That's what God wants to give to us. It's your job to teach your children those ways too. God's promised that to us. Why would we second guess Him on this? If we're going to be tested by God, let's be found worthy. Number three, the third land that I believe that the Israelites lived in was the land of more than enough. In Exodus chapter three, verse 17, God promised to Moses, I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt and into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevizites, the Jebusites, the Marmites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The milk basically means this in the Hebrew form, to be fat with richness. Now, I'm going to be honest. 
I'm not very good with the whole fatness of richness thing. I never have been. I haven't been brought up that way. If anything, I've always understood and learned that, that, being, being, uh, that actually the love of money is the root of all evil. But what I've also learned is this, that God has an accomplishment and a goal and a desire to set his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And he wants to entrust us to make that happen. In fact, he has chosen us to make that happen. And so therefore, it's our obligation and duty to move on from slavery to sonship and now move on into being soldiers where we can be trusted with the power that he wants to put in our hands. So we're not just walking in as sons going, hey dad, what have you got for me? But we now actually have to go forth and conquer too. We've got to take hold of the things that God wants to give to us. In fact, when he was uh, speaking to Joshua, who was the one who was going to lead Israel over into the promised land, it says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will now extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the left, to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Thanks be to God. What an amazing word to have heard from God. Imagine hearing that from the voice of God himself and being the one who now has to go conquer something that God has given to you. Do you think he looked at it and went, I don't think I can do it. When you're hearing the voice of God right behind you go, don't doubt yourself. Be strong and be courageous. I've already given you it. Now go get it. Go forth and multiply. Take hold of the things that I'm giving you. I don't think I'd be second guessing myself. I think I'd be going, yes, sir, I'm on it. Count me in. And tonight's an opportunity for you to be a part of this next step for us. Tonight is when you'll learn about what we're going to do. Tonight is when you'll be able to decide whether you think God is telling you to be a part of this or not. I can tell you right now, for me and my house, for my wife and my kids, we're all in. Listen, I didn't come here because I came here to get comfortable in America. I didn't come here because I needed the riches of America. I came here because I know that God called me to be here. When I was about seven years old, I remember meeting an American who came up to me and I was fascinated by him because I think he sounded like Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> and he gave me a dollar. And right there, I knew that God had spoke to me when I was a child that I would come to America one day. And I went to my mother in the kitchen and I said, I'm going to America someday. That's where I'm going to live. 
And she said, that's nice. And I kept that dollar in the bottom of my toy box all to the day, up to the day when I was 23 years old and I came to this church and I sat in the front row and I took that dollar and I put it in the basket and I said, you kept your promise to me. Now I'll keep my promise to you. I know that God was faithful to me and I am gonna continue to be faithful to him. I'm here for a reason and I'm not backing down, letting down, sitting down or lying down, but I will stand up for what God has called me to do even if it looks bigger than myself, even if it looks way beyond me, I know that God is on our side, that he has not planted this church over the last 25 years for it to disappear or die or to be comfortable, but to do the great things that God has called us to do. I want to ask you the question, are you in? If you need to ask God, go ask God for it. Father, we're asking that you would fill our hearts with your presence. You pulled us into your presence to worship you. The only thing that the Israelites did build in the desert and in the wilderness was your house. It was the tent of meeting. And Father, I am so grateful for all the people who have already sacrificed to bring this building to where it's at now. And every one of them know by testimony how you have blessed them because they were a part of following what you had called them to do. And so Father, I'm asking that if this is the moment that you're stirring up our church, I'm not asking, I'm thanking you for stirring up our church, for stirring up our hearts, for making us something that is made for something more, for something greater for more than enough. Father, we want to be a part of what you're doing. We want to live in your promised land. We want to live in the, in the land that you are finally calling us to. Father, forgive us for grumbling in the desert when we didn't have enough. Forgive us, Lord, for hearing your words and then not really keeping them. Lord, we want to be ready, willing, and able. We want to be found faithful. We want to be found holy. So lead on, Father. Bless us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, I bless each and every one of you that whatever God has called you to do, you will be successful in it. That wherever He is calling you to place your foot, you'll be able to place it firmly without fear. That whatever He has placed in your heart will now come forth and multiply in the name of Jesus. May God bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. Have a great day.